My name is John. I am the youth director here at Crossroads. I lead the youth ministry team. And today, as someone mentioned, is the last Sunday that we are talking about this series of Who is God, that we spend a month talking about God as Father. We spent a month talking about God as Son. And this is the last Sunday that we're talking about God is Spirit, that we believe that God is three in one, one being in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And this is the last week we're talking about the Holy Spirit, and we're going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And the longest section in Scripture that talk about the Holy Spirit's gifts is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. So we're going to be looking at a lot of verses in 1 Corinthians 12, but some in 14, some other verses around the Bible. Um, 1 Corinthians 12 is the longest section about spiritual gifts, so that's why most of those Scripture references are going to be coming from there. Just a little background on the church at Corinth. It was crazy. It was a mess. There are a lot of clicky popularity contests going on with some of the people there. They're saying, oh, no, this pastor is better than that pastor, and it was really dividing the community up. Um, a guy was sleeping with his stepmom, and he thought it was no big deal. So, yeah, there was a lot of kind of crazy stuff going on around in Corinth, and Paul is writing this letter to the church addressing those issues, and one of the issues he uh, brought up was this idea of spiritual gifts. So, we're going to be reading certain sections in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and really we're going to be answering the W questions, if you remember those from grammar school, just the who, what, when, where, why, how, about spiritual gifts. So first things first, I'm just going to read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 1 through 7. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one, is, no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a variety of service, but the same Lord, and there are a variety of activities, of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. So, first thing is, what is a spiritual gift? Who gets a gift? So, a spiritual gift, I would just kind of define it as, as I click, as I click. Ian, I'm not click. I'm clicking. Nothing's happening. Click for me. So, a spiritual gift is given to us by God, to, by his grace to all Christians to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. I'm going to say that phrase a lot, to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. That's why God gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's by his grace that we don't, we don't earn it. We, we don't deserve it. God just freely gives us his gift to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. I'm going to try one more time with my clicker. Not working. It is on. Yeah, it is on. I just turned it on. <laughs> I told you it was on. Tom didn't turn it on for me. He's trying to sabotage me. <laughs> so if you look in verse 1, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. Now, it's depending on your Bible translation. It might say brothers and sisters. It's really just saying brothers and sisters in Christ, brothers and sisters in the family of God. He's talking to Christians. So from that context, we can say that every Christian gets a spiritual gift. doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, boy, girl, whatever. You become a Christian, you get 
a spiritual gift. You get a spiritual gift. And you get a spiritual gift for, for a couple of reasons. In chapter 12 in Corinthians, as we read, is for the common good, the common good of the church, but also for the common good of just life in general. Like if you have the spiritual gift of generosity, people at work are probably going to benefit from that spiritual gift. But also in chapter 14 in 1 Corinthians, the last part of that verse, verse 26, says, let all things be done for building up. When Paul used that term, building up, building up the church, helping people in the church love, know, and become like Jesus. So those are really the two biggest reasons why God gives us spiritual gifts. And I was, when I was preparing for this, I just noticed this, and I think this is really, really cool. Now, there are a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are a variety of service, but the same Lord. And there are a variety of activities, but the same God who empowers them all in everyone. See, spiritual gifts are Trinitarian in nature. The Trinity is involved in the spiritual gifts. But yes, we believe there is one God, one being in God, and three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And that's seen in this passage. But the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the same Lord, that's capital L, Lord, that's representing Jesus, and the same God, the Father, that the three are one. The three are working together. Yes, it's the Holy Spirit who gives us the gift, but it's not that the Holy Spirit is going off doing its own thing, and then God, the Father, and Jesus are like, I don't know what's happening. They're, they're, working, they're working together. They're always in perfect community, always in perfect harmony, always together, and it's just the Holy Spirit's job to give us those spiritual gifts. And people do like to say, like, oh, the Bible never mentions the word Trinity, therefore it's impossible for the Christian God to be Trinitarian. But it, there's so many passages just like this. It's just implied if you're looking for it. The Trinity is implied everywhere in Scripture. It's implied everywhere in Scripture. I mentioned that it's given to us by God's grace. And in Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, it's it states that we're given a gift by God's grace, by his favor, that we don't earn the gift. It's just given to us by God just out of his, just out of his goodness. And what I thought was really interesting and nerdy, and people are going to make fun of me for bringing this up, but if you look at the Greek word for spiritual gift, charismatia, however you say that, and the Greek word for grace, if you look, the Greek word for grace is inside the word. It's the first part of the word for spiritual gift. And I just thought that was really, really interesting, and I don't think that's a coincidence. It's given to us by God's grace. Everything in life is given to us by God's grace, and especially the spiritual gifts, especially the spiritual gifts. When do we get a gift? Once you put your faith in Jesus. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit, but it doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter how young you are, doesn't matter if you've been going to church forever or not, you get a gift. From the Holy Spirit. Once you become a Christian, you get a gift from the Holy Spirit. What is the purpose of each gift? So, in order to figure that out, we need to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 26. It's a, it's a little bit of a longer section, so please bear with me as we read it, but it's really important that we get the context and the reasons why um, we get the gifts. Um, Ian, go for me, please. Thank you. You went one more. There we go. For just as the body is one, it has many members, and all the members of the body, 
Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we are all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we are slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, thou not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? As it is, God arranged the members in the body, each of them as he choose. If all, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor to the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we, just, we bestow with the greater honor. I'll just stop right there. So what is the purpose of the gifts? That Paul is talking about this, this metaphor of a body, and everything's working together, that different parts of the body have different roles and jobs. The first part is so we can rely on each other as a church family. The ear can't do things the eye can do. The eye can't do things the hand can do. The hand can't do things the foot can do, but they're all part of one body. They have to be working together. They have to be relying on each other. And this is something I've learned through experience and other people who get chronically injured at the gym, that if you injure a part of your muscle, for me right now, that's my shoulder. You're not using your shoulder muscles properly. What happens is you use your other muscles around the shoulder, around your back area, to help the shoulder work. But then those muscles aren't being used the way they were intended, and then you end up with shoulder pain and upper back pain. And then to compensate for the upper back pain, you use your lower back muscles to do the job of the upper back muscles, but that's not being, they're not being used the way that they were designed, and then you end up with lower back pain, and then you go to the doctor. <laughs> that's, I've summarized the last five years of my life in, in that one sentence. But you need to rely on each other to do what they're designed to do. The gifts are to help people, again, know, love, and become like Jesus. And so Christ, non-Christians can see Jesus in the church. And yes, your life, if you are a follower of Jesus, you're supposed to be representing Jesus, being a good ambassador of Jesus. But I'm really thankful I'm not good at everything. Because if I was good at everything, that, means, that would mean I would have to do everything. And I don't want to do everything. I, I don't. I'm, I'm happy doing the things that I'm good at. And unfortunately, you're, you are not good at, at everything. Nobody is. So, but the thing is, Jesus was good at everything. Jesus was good at all the spiritual gifts. He was perfectly generous and kind and loving. He, he did all those things perfectly. So when people look at crossroads, at us as a church, they should see Jesus. They should see our church and say, wow, they love. They're compassionate. They have mercy. They care. When they look at us as a family, they should see Jesus because Jesus does all the gifts perfectly. And this is uh, the, one of the things I really wanted to communicate, and I'm going to try and communicate this the best way. But a lot of you do so much to make Sunday morning happen, and like, I know I am just so thankful for you. 
to make Sunday morning happen, to set up, to take down, to make service run well. It's so awesome. Thank you so much. But just how your spiritual life with Jesus just isn't a Sunday morning thing. Also, it's the same with your spiritual gift. That you should be using your spiritual gift outside of just Sunday morning. God has given you this gift to help people know and love, to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. And you need to be using your gifts Monday through Saturday too. Not just on Sundays. Not just on Sundays. Well, what are the gifts? How many gifts are there? And if you look in Scripture, if you look in Romans and in Corinthians, there's a long list of them listed. There's prophesying, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy. In, again, in Corinthians, words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, healing, miraculous powers, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. Healings helps governments, diversity in tongues. When Paul is writing to the Corinthians and to the Romans, he's not doing this to give you an, an exhaustive list of the gifts. His purpose in listing the gifts is that saying how we all need each other to work together to be a church. We all need each other to rely on each other so we can, so we can rely on others who might be better at things than we are. And, if you know, and it can't be an exhaustive list, and this is just an easy example. If you notice, worship isn't on there. Music isn't on there. And I think we've seen forever here at Crossroads that people have a spiritual gift of music and of worship. It's not an exhaustive list. The point of the list is to show you how diverse the church should be and how we need to rely on each other. We are all called to do these gifts. But some might be better at it than others, and that's okay. Again, I'm not good at everything, and I'm happy that I'm not good at everything. But if you go back to the gifts, I've hit the up button. Ian, go back for me. <laughs> like, all of us are, are called to serve and to show mercy. Some might just be better at it than others, and that's okay. And I think the biggest one on there that, that proves that is that there's a gift of faith. How do we know what that, I don't know what that is, really, to, to be honest, but we all have faith in Jesus. All Christians have a faith in Jesus, but it seems like some have a gift of faith. We're all called to do all of the gifts listed. Some just might be better at it than others, and that's okay, because we are one family. We're one church doing everything together to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. So in that list, um, there's two of the gifts I just really wanted to touch on are prophecy and tongues and talk about church controversies and books being written over hundreds and hundreds of years. Um, when Tom first started doing the Holy Spirit series, he said some people may not like the idea of the Holy Spirit. It kind of gives them the EBGBs in it. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's referenced as the Holy Ghost. And I would guess that depending on your church background, if you have like you get bad feelings or get uncomfortable when people are talking about the Holy Spirit, you may have had a bad experience with prophecy and tongues. Prophecy in the Old Testament was, honestly, it was God telling someone God's word. So when, someone, when the prophet opened his mouth and talked, it was actually God talking. Or someone telling the future. So you may have had a bad experience with someone with this gift of prophecy. Someone coming up to you in church, hey, um, God told me to tell you that next week you're going to get fired. 
and then it doesn't happen. That's a, a bad experience. Or, hey, God's telling me to tell you that you should marry that person. Yeah, that you may, depending on the situation, you may have not had a good experience with prophecy or tongues. Tongues is just when you start praying in a different language. And again, depending on your church background, I know if I never went to church, if I went to the church for the first time, I sat in a chair or a pew for the first time, and someone just stood up and started praying in a different language, it would kind of make me feel uncomfortable. I probably wouldn't know what's going on. I had an experience with someone praying in tongues when I was in college, and it did. It gave me the eebie-jeebies. I was very uncomfortable. I had no idea what was going on. But the point in 1 Corinthians 14 they talk about prophecy and tongues and how they're supposed to be used. And just because someone uses something the wrong way doesn't mean that they're bad. They can't be bad. They're given, us, given to us by God through his grace. They can't be bad. Just because someone misuses something doesn't mean that they are bad. Doesn't mean that they're bad. Click. Thank you, Ian. It is on. Which one is mine? I think people like presents, they like gifts. We're at the point, okay, well, which one's my spiritual gift? So some of you may know, some of you may not know. Um, what I would suggest to you is if you really don't know, go to the connection table at the church. The connection table isn't just for first-time people. It's to get you connected in the church. Because remember, gifts are to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. And that's what we are about at Crossroads. So if you want to help people know, love, and become like Jesus, and you want to find out your gift, start serving in the church where we have needs, where we have openings, where might you fit best to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. Please see the connection point table after service if that's you. Also, like we have done, oh, I have done like a spiritual gift test or survey online or on paper form. For me personally, I would stay away from those, because one, you don't know who made up the test. You're just going to Google some random survey, and, and it's going to give you like correct information. And sometimes you can manipulate a survey test to make it give you the answers you want to hear. Um, I would ask someone you trust. Ask someone in your huddle or your small group or someone you trust, hey, what about Jesus in my life do you see? Where do you think I'm gifted? Where do you think God's leading me to serve the church? And above all else, look up, lean in, and reach out and see what happens. Like if you're not looking up to Jesus as we see at Crossroads, if you're not in the Bible and praying, looking up to Jesus, if you're not leaning in the God, the community, in a small group, in a community, people who love Jesus, who are helping you love Jesus, if you're not reaching out to friends and family and people who don't know Jesus, people in, that are in poor in resources and spirit, do those things first and just see what happens. Start taking Jesus seriously when it comes to looking up, leaning in, and reaching out. And I almost promise your gifts would be, will overflow from you doing that. So an example in my life, when I, when I went to college, I, just, I really started to, to say and think and just, I'm taking my faith seriously now. I really started getting involved in the ministry, um, trying to you know, get the ministry started, help caring about people who didn't know Jesus, reading the Bible for myself, doing my own homework. And I noticed I just started getting really, really good at like administrative-y type stuff. 
like I was able to plan stuff out on the calendar. When we were planning an event, I'd be able to break down, okay, this is how the, the flow should go. And like, just, that was not me a year before in high school. I never kept a planner, never wrote down assignments, not organized at all. And then all of a sudden, I started looking up, leaning in and reaching out, and I somehow got more organized, start, somehow started getting more administrative e in my life. I now love spreadsheets. And I didn't, of course, this is back when I was 19, I didn't know I was looking up, leaning in and reaching out because we, we weren't using that kind of language at Crossroads. But please, start looking up, start reading the Bible, doing homework, asking questions with godly community, reaching out to coworkers and parents and anyone else in your life that may not know Jesus. And I've seen this like so many examples of that. And I'm going to use this magician friends up here because they're easy. Um, I'm going to pick on, I told Skinny I was going to talk about him, but not say his name, but I'm going to say his name now. So hi, Skinny. <laughs> um, so when Skinny first started playing guitar up here, um, he wasn't really that good. But just, just, just to be honest. But then I, he started... He started to look up, lean in, and reach out. And it just in like in a month, wow, you just you got really good at guitar. Oh wow, you you can carry a tune now. Like you sound cool when singing. And and there's other musicians. Oh wow, you got really good at so-and-so instrument and you can sing now, and it's been three weeks. It's been a month. That that doesn't happen. I've tried to be good at singing for a month. It doesn't, it doesn't work. When you start really taking Jesus seriously, the gifts of the Spirit overflow out of that. If you don't know what your gift is, start looking up, start leaning in, and start reaching out. Well, my gift isn't cool. My gift isn't important. My gift doesn't matter. It, it, it does. Your, your gift matters. Other people in the church need your gift. That's the way Paul said in the example, the ear needs the eye. The eye needs the ear. They do different jobs, but they need each other. We need your spiritual gift at Crossroads. And that's why coming to church and being a part of a church is so, so important. Because not only do you need to develop your spiritual gifts, but other people need your gift as well. And especially with me doing youth ministry, especially around college time or after college, sometimes kids go through a phase of, oh, I don't need to go to church. I can just watch sermons on YouTube and just read the Bible. No, that's not what God designed. God designed your spiritual gift to be used in the church because we need your gift to help other people know, love, and become like Jesus. And you may, you may start comparing your gift, like just to use the example, I love this example of just you have both two hands. I'm right-handed. So you might think, oh, I'm right-handed, so this hand's more important than this one. I'm, you might think that. Guess what? If I chop off my left hand, even though I'm right-handed, my life's going to be very complicated. It's not designed, my body's not designed just to use my right hand, even though this is my dominant hand. So Even though I'm right-handed, my right hand can do some things my left hand can't. My left hand can do some things even though my right hand can't. They both have to be working together, and it's the same with the spiritual gifts. And the best story, 
I have with that is when I was playing football in high school, um, I sprained, broke, jammed something to my left hand ring finger. I came to the sideline, I took off my football glove, this finger looked like a Z or an M. The doctor popped it back in, taped it up, kept playing. But I didn't go see a doctor or anything because I'm 17. So I just kind of live with it. And I, for like two weeks, I couldn't bend it more than that. I couldn't bend it any more than this. And I, I, I pro- my life was completely changed because I could not move this finger on my non-dominant hand. I couldn't get dressed the same way in the morning. I couldn't brush my teeth the same way. I couldn't just grab my backpack. Like, I had to reorient, redo everything in my life because the ring finger on my non-dominant hand was too small in the bend. I couldn't open a water bottle because I realized that's the finger I used to get the cap off for some reason. Like, I had to change everything about my life because this finger wasn't being used properly. It, w- it wasn't doing its job. Did you know that if you cut off your pinky toe, you couldn't walk? It's true. It's a stabilizer. It's a stabilizer. You would have to go to physical therapy for six months just to start walking a little bit. And kind of like what the passage said, you may think your pinky toe is pretty useless, but it's very, very important. Don't think your gift is useless. Don't think your gift is not important. Your gift is so valuable to the church to help people know, love, and become like Jesus. And the most important part is that your identity as a follower of Jesus is not in your gift. Your identity is in Jesus. And it's so easy to have your identity in the thing that you're good at, the thing that you're the best at, but your identity can't be in those things. Your identity should be in Jesus. Not that you love Jesus, but that he loved you first. Not that he died for you, but he died for you while you were still a sinner, as the Bible says. That you were born rebelling against God. You, you were born thinking, I know more than God, that I am better than God. I want to be God. I want to make my own rules in life. And for no other reason than that he loves you, he died for you. Because the sin payment needed to be paid and needed to be a perfect sacrifice. And the only thing perfect is God. So God sent his son Jesus, and Jesus, the Bible says, willingly went down to sacrifice his life as a pleasing sacrifice to God for sin. And he conquered sin, and he conquered death, and he rose again three days later, and he gave us his Holy Spirit to live in us, to guide us, and to give us these gifts. And when our mindset is on Jesus... Our identity won't be in the things that we're good at. Their identity would be in him, in Jesus, based on what he did for us on the cross. Because, and if you look at this scripture, for in one spirit we're all baptized in the one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we're all made the drink of one spirit. We're all different. We're all different, just like this passage says, that either Jews or Greeks, slave or free, there's a diverse amount of people in the Church of Corinth, and there's a diverse amount of people here. It doesn't matter. Boy, girl, young, old, we all were saved by the same Spirit. We were all saved by Jesus. 
But can we get worse or better at our gift? Can we get better at it? Can we get worse at it? And what Paul's talking to Timothy in the first letter, he wrote Timothy. Timothy was a teenage pastor that Paul was really mentoring. Paul says, do not neglect your, the gift you have. Don't neglect it. But then he also says, I remind you to rekindle the gift. Rekindle. Use it. Use it. Don't not use it. Use it. Get better at it. Rekindle it. Focus on Jesus, and you help you rekindle your gift up. From these two verses, it seems like you can get better or worse at your gift if you don't use it. And that kind of just makes sense. If you don't use something, you can't get better at it. You might forget how to do it, but it doesn't mean it goes away. It just means you could get better at it, and that's okay. And that, that goes back to, like, when you first become a Christian, you get a spiritual gift. So some people I know, they became a Christian when they were little, little kids, five, six, seven years old. It's really hard to see the gift of administration from a six-year-old. But as they grow, as they learn about Jesus, they start looking up to Jesus, you see that gift come out of them. It's really hard to see a gift of praying from a four-year-old. Sometimes it's easy. But as they grow up and start learning more about Jesus, you see the gifts rekindle in, in their lives. And the last point. And the last point. Yes, are certain gifts better than others? And I hope that you would come out of here saying, no, all the gifts are the same. Even though they have different parts, that's the way the different parts of the body are different. We're all the same. But then as I was reading, um, verse 31 in chapter 12 says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts. And I was like, oh. I'm supposed to desire these higher spiritual gifts, these better spiritual gifts. I think that's weird. So I had, I had to like look around. And some people think the, spirit, the higher gifts are just spiritual gifts. Oh, earnestly desire your spiritual gift. That kind of makes sense. But then if you look over in chapter 14, it says earnestly desire, the same phrase, the spiritual gifts. Makes sense. Especially that you may prophesy. And I, that, that kind of threw me off. Like, wait a minute. You just bent over backwards for two chapters saying all the gifts are the same. We're all one. No one's better than others. And now you're saying people who prophesy are better than others. Like, that, that, that just confused me. And I think what, what Paul is trying, trying to communicate is that certain gifts help people become like Jesus more than other gifts, and that's, oh, again, that's okay. Your gifts might help people here become more like Jesus, but not people over here, and that's okay because everyone has a gift, and we're all helping each other become more like Jesus. And the idea with, with prophesying is that I think in this context, prophesying is just telling people about Jesus, telling people about God. And it doesn't really, it doesn't matter your spiritual gift, because remember, your identity is not in Jesus. It's in your gift. That the most loving thing you can do, what? What did I say? Your identity is in Jesus. Thank you, David. Thank you for, for correcting my heresy. The most loving thing you can do is tell someone about Jesus, to help someone know and love and experience 
Jesus. And that's what prophesying is talking about here, telling them about God. That's all, that's the best thing you can do for someone. And if you've been to a, a wedding in the last 200 years, you've noticed that most weddings have first Corinthians, read 1 Corinthians 13. The love is patient, love is kind, love is blah, 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 blah. I, don't, I don't know the rest. But that passage is not about a wedding. It's not about a marriage love. That passage is there about spiritual gifts. Because the most loving thing you can do to people is to tell them about Jesus so they can know Jesus, so they can love Jesus, so they can become like Jesus. That's what the spiritual gifts are about. It's about loving people. And the most loving thing you can do is to help people grow in their faith in Jesus, to help them know, love, and become like Jesus.